Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. My name is Rob Snow White. This is Series 1, Episode 88, Road Trip to Michigan. Like Indiana Jones chasing the Ark of the Covenant from the Nazis, I make this stuff up as I go. Sometimes you just think it's going to be a normal road trip, and sometimes you get to meet awesome people and have an adventure. This is one of those. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Douglas Outdoors. Douglas Outdoors brings an entirely new initiative, bringing together the most experienced practitioners to find a fresh legacy of new tackle that pushes both the science and practice of angling. Douglas Outdoors will apply the same diligence and innovation to all its enterprises, rod and reel design, customer service, and their merchandising programs will bring an improved product and partner to the water and to the fishing business. If you listen to this in time and you are following our friend at Douglas Outdoors, David McKenna, you can win one of Douglas Rods through David's Instagram post. So please go and look for David on my Instagram feed. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Please be sure to look up those who I interview and talk to. Have a good one and enjoy this podcast. Let's get on the road and head towards Michigan. 
Well, good morning. It's about 8 a.m. I've been on the road for about three hours now, continuing the podcast on road trips for the summer. This was a road trip I didn't think I was going to take. I'm on my way to Baldwin, Michigan right now to Stealthcraft Boats. I was out on the water a couple times this summer, and I thought I just had some warped boat plugs because the boat had a bunch of water in it and I decided to leave all the water in the boat the last time I was in it was about two weeks ago because it hasn't rained much at all this summer and I would drain the boat over a bucket and then water the plants and it was a hot day on the water it was about 98 degrees So I headed straight to our local pool, parked the boat in the parking lot, went in and swam for about an hour and came out, and there was no water in the boat, but there was a giant puddle underneath the boat. So I was a little puzzled, drove the boat uphill to the house, parked it and got underneath it and noticed a couple of little holes in the bottom. I'm not sure how those happened because I'm really not over rocky areas. I was a little curious, and I had the boat sit in the garage for a couple of days, and sure enough, water was dripping out from a couple of pencil-sized holes and scrapes on the hull, and I was having trouble on hitching the boat. By now, it's in the carport, so I could get a good look at it and not get filthy doing it on the gravel part of the side driveway. I noticed that the U-Haul trailer apparatus it was starting to break off from underneath my car Tom came in from Colorado and we were going to patch the boat and we got underneath it and he's like yeah I don't know if this is something we can do plus there's a bar going across the bottom of the trailer and one of the holes was on the boat above it so we couldn't lift the boat above that to patch it So I decided to send Micah a note up at Stealthcraft Boats, and it's a lifetime warranty if you can get the boat to them. So I had to put the hole in the boat on hold and figure out how to get the trailer hitch apparatus back on. I found a local welder, and he welded it back on, put a plate on, welded that on. Should be good to go. I'm very nervous now that on this road I'm going to see the whole boat just pop off and drag by chains. My next car will definitely have the whole trailer hitch apparatus built in. And that was about a week ago. So I'm on the road now. I haven't really had any time to myself this summer. I had really looked forward to the road trip to Orlando for ICAST and that didn't happen. And I've been trying to get people who went to ICAST on to talk about all the new stuff they saw, but logistically it's not happening. Secondly, there's crazy technical difficulties right now with the Skype podcast recording. I did a whole 55-minute podcast with Peter Vandergrift of Costa Del Mar the other night, and it only recorded the first 12 minutes. I don't know what happened. The software people are not that great. 
working out some alternative ways. Maybe I just need to buy a Mac. I don't know. We'll figure it out. And later on, when I'm super bored, I've got uh, 588 miles to go. I will go over the podcast, the talking points that Peter and I spoke about, just in case I'm unable to get him or if he's unwilling to try again. Because we tried last week to do it and it wouldn't record anything. That's just the way it goes. So everything seems to be not working for me. The boat, the trailer hitch, and the recorder. I probably could have gotten the boat fixed back home, but if you don't know, the DC Metro area is just crazy expensive for everything. So I figure I've got some time. I want some time to myself just to listen to the radio, catch up on podcasts, listen to music, have the windows down, eat some junk food. I've got all sorts of random chips. I've got tikka masala chips. I have chimichurri chips. I have Cheetos. I have superfood flavored Starbursts and a couple of cans of Coke and some water. And I've got an eight weight and a five weight just in case we fish up there. And I imagine when I get there, Mike's going to look at the boat and laugh and be like, dude, you seriously drove from D.C. to Michigan for this? He's probably just going to put a Band-Aid on it and be like, dude, you can go home today. So it's now Thursday. Driving up today. Boat worked on tomorrow. And then drive home Saturday. I'm a little upset I'm going to miss one of the last party nights at our pool on Friday, tomorrow, and our neighbor who's an F-16 pilot just got back from being stationed overseas for the last year, so I haven't seen Rug in a while. They were supposed to come over on Saturday night for dinner. That didn't happen because I don't know when I'm going to be back. And then I've got clients first thing Sunday morning for stripers. And then hopefully fish the boat with friends on Tuesday because my daughter's been out of school now for two and a half months and she's no longer in camp. And I've got to find things to occupy her time. We have been fishing a lot. So I'm driving pretty slow on this trip. I'm in no rush. I'm getting there. I left at 5.15. It says I'm getting there at 4.32. I've been driving pretty slow. And the entire way through Maryland, I was drafting behind a convoy of army trucks very slow we were going about 60 and when we pulled off at breezewood to go our respective ways every one of them honked and waved at me which was pretty funny um i guess they knew what i was doing behind them those were some big trucks and now i'm on mile marker 132 out of i don't know it says i got 100 miles left to go on 76 west And believe it or not, when I left this morning, there was traffic all over the Beltway. It was pretty crazy that I've got to leave at 5 in the morning really to beat traffic in the D.C. metro area. I'm going to pass this truck right now. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about the Costa Del Mar kick plastic campaign. We'll see how the day-to-day operations go with Stealthcraft boats. We'll learn about, hopefully, the Steelhead Lodge and the fishery. They're right on the Pierre Marquette. And for you Michigan people, if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, you can send an email to me and tell me how to correctly pronounce it. 
and the wife wants me to bring back cherries. I want to buy some beer. I know there's a lot of breweries in Michigan. And believe it or not, I am not driving with a truck and boat full of mellow yellow bottles. I will get my deposit back on all the Cokes I'm going to drink. I should have brought all the recycling with me, too. Not that there's been a bunch, mostly just club soda cans. And last week, we did a road trip to New Jersey, and I should have brought my dat because our friends Richard and Tamar from Project Healing Waters live maybe six houses down from my cousin at the beach. And Richard is an absolutely enigmatic person to talk to about fly fishing. And he gave me a whole pile of saddles, and I now have a load of Cree saddles and grizzlies and mahoganies and Cahill and uh, Dunn and black for mosquito patterns, you name it. So I will be out in Colorado in two weeks and we'll be fishing for carp on the front range and going to tie up some of those Dokuto Cree bugs with uh, Cree hackle. So I'm going to leave this here. I'm enjoying this beautiful Pennsylvania. The fog is cleared. And I've got Elliot the morning on, and then next it's going to be podcast. I really want to hear the Jerry French podcast with April Vokey to get me in the mood. I already have steelhead orders for this fall, and I'm trying to get to them, but all I've gotten so far is prepping the shanks with double loops on the back. Steelhead are not far away, so you better be prepared for that podcast in about three months. Super hot and muggy right now. It was 83% humidity when I left Virginia this morning. So I'm looking forward to maybe a cold day on the Salmon River, freezing off my buns. That's it. I will talk to you all later. Go figure, I'm stuck in traffic. In Michigan, I just left Schultz Outfitters, which is next to a very cool little motorcycle shop with all these really old motorcycles out front. Picked up some materials for those intruders that I need to tie. Got some new colors of Senyo's Fusion Dub. Got some S-Taz and some other things I can't get back home. Now I'm on my way to Baldwin. It says I should be there in 216 miles. So just in time for dinner. Didn't eat lunch. I had bologna. That's Lebanon bologna. For you Lancaster podcast listeners and cheese on some honey wheat and they got wet in the cooler so they're like the uh, sandwiches that Clark Griswold ate that the dog wet on but it's water not dog pee so let's go over the podcast I recorded the other night with Peter Vandergrift of Costa he wants fly fishing guides and everyone else to abandon Single-use, throw-away plastic water bottles. Let me close these windows. I did not bring the, the windscreen that Jason had suggested for windy days. It's like 97 degrees up here. It's hotter in Michigan than it is back in D.C. Ooh, it's a little oveny in this car right now. Oh, so by the way, there's a lot of dead deer on the side of the road up here that are completely like desiccated and empty, just like leathery bone carcasses, and there's shredded tires everywhere. I don't know if that's a Michigan thing, that's just what I've noticed. So Peter wants guides to stop having coolers of single-use bottles in their boats. As guides, we're 
dependent on the fisheries and clean fisheries at that. And when it leaves our rivers and streams, it goes to the ocean where it doesn't biodegrade. There are no organisms that technically can digest it. It's non-bio or life degradable. It is not digestible by any organisms that we really know of so far. So all this plastic ends out in the ocean and the UV light and the wave action and other forces physically break it down, not Watch chemically. Out. Object on road ahead. Thanks, Waze. Object. Is there a is there a courtroom up ahead? Who's objecting to this? So these don't they physically break down into smaller and smaller pieces which are consumed by organisms and then we know through biomagnification Little fish is eaten by a big fish. Bigger fish eats the big fish. The biggest fish eats the bigger fish that ate the big fish that ate the itty bitty fish. So now you have all of that plastic bioaccumulated. And when you're eating these seafood things, you are ingesting plastic and it's toxic and it's bad for you. And you mentioned that out in these, the seven gyres that can be twice the size of Texas. They're pretty nasty and just goopy and nothing really lives there. And it's not just fish that eat the plastic, it's birds. If you've never seen a, a dead bird at the beach whose skeleton is full of plastics, just Google bird carcass plastic. And you'll see lighters and bottle caps and chapstick applicators and bags. All these things that look like food items to these birds and they eat them and it blocks their digestive tracts. They think they're full and they eventually starve to death. So what can you do to stop this? Well, first you could use, I've got my Tervis tumbler next to me and I've been using uh, this Tervis for about eight years now. Got them for our anniversary gift. You can use Nalgene bottles. There's the Yetis, there's the Ozark Trail knockoff of Yetis, which are nine bucks at Walmart. There are several options you can use to not purchase plastic which may or may not end up in the landfill if it is recycled. It may simply just be downcycled, broken apart somewhat, and made into other objects. It's not going to be completely 100% made into another plastic bottle. Plastic bottles also come from petroleum. So the more you spend on plastic, the higher gas prices are going to go. So Peter's job working for Costa is a guides initiative to get guides and he's working with guides out in the Missoula area of Montana to stop using bottled water on their floats. You can just take these Nalgene. It's what I do on my boat. I don't buy water for people. If it's going to be 100 degrees out for lunch, I'm probably going to bring some iced teas or some Gatorades. I should just be brewing my own iced tea, serving that in a big cooler uh, water jug. My goodness, this traffic here is horrendous. But I haven't gotten there yet. One of the benefits of having Gatorade bottle, though, is if there's nowhere to pee off the side of the boat, you can always squat down and micturate into a jug. We also discussed that things need to change, that public needs to stop buying plastic. If you stop the demand, they'll stop the supply. And I mentioned how 30 years ago, women at the pool would just sit there with baby oil on them. And now people are a little more susceptible to the dangers of the sun and skin cancer. They're not doing the things they used to do back in the day. And I credit this to uh, 
sitcoms of the 90s where having a bottle of water in your hand was sort of this uh, crutch for your hand motions. They would come in, I named friends as one, and they would grab a bottle of water from the fridge, Seinfeld 2, which had Seinfeld. If it's supposed to be in New York, you've got the best tap water anywhere. We learned that from Captain Joe a couple weeks ago. And they started using bottled water. I don't really remember bottled water as a thing until midway through college. And now it's just a given that you go to any event and there's just coolers of bottled water for people. Where why not just have a water tap and some wax cups that will biodegrade quicker than styrofoam or plastic. Peter also went into how Costa Del Mar, I can open my windows now that traffic is at a standstill, how Costa is eliminating the use of oil-based or petroleum-based products, that they're using a plant-based polymer from castor seeds, which is also what you get ricin poison from. And they're using that in their sunglass frames now, which is actually stronger than the plastic frames I'm currently wearing. So that is an awesome new thing by Costa. Costa also gave out the aluminum pint glasses at ICAST for the last couple of years when they host their alley party at ICAST. And that's what we use almost on a daily basis. They get colder. You can, uh, what we like to do, or I like to do, is just fill up a giant jug of water from the refrigerator tap and put that in the fridge and that way I can just pour that colder water straight into my Costa cup and drink it out of there. At our pool party a couple weeks ago, it was Italian night, I made that porcini mushroom risotto with oven roasted garlic slices and baby zucchinis with peas and parmesan and a whole lot of butter. And I was drinking Peroni beer at the pool. You can't have glass at our pool or you shouldn't have glass anywhere at any pools. So I drank out of my Costa cups. And the use of those eliminates me from using Solo cups. And we also mentioned the brewery in Florida. We talked about this with the Waza Frost in my boat back in May on the last rainy day we've had this year. And it's now August. We've not had a rainy day since maybe the third week of May. That there's a brewery in Florida that not only has a biodegradable six-pack holder, it's also edible. And you can throw it in the ocean and it'll biodegrade for the fish to eat into pieces. Now, I thought maybe I could just use that as my fish food for my aquarium. When I'm on trips like this, I could just throw it in the aquarium and ba-boom, I don't have to have anybody feed my fish. Now, the fish are pretty tiny. Nothing's bigger than your thumbnail right now. Most notably, the largemouth bass. And that is one weird fish the way it acts. I'm not sure if it's just this bass or all juvenile bass act this way, but it's interesting and that's a story for another time. I'm trying to think of what else Peter and I spoke about. Um, I guess we can cover his background more in the industry if I can break through the technical difficulties. Um, it's been a pretty non-entertaining drive so far. Listening to April Vokey's podcasts. Uh, I almost said Don and Mike. The Mike O'Mara Show podcast. I'm about to throw another April one on. For some reason, those don't download or update on my phone. So I had to download, and lo and behold, there's been 22 since I last listened. I'm uh, eating Cheetos because I have no lunch. 
Eventually, I'll pull over at Ronald's place and get some fries and maybe a Coke because my igloo cooler is just not that cold anymore. I forgot to close it last night when I dumped ice in it in the carport. Uh, got to see the new double barrel head poppers and diving heads by Flyman Fishy Company. If you're on Instagram, everyone's posting pictures with them. They're pretty cool. And I also got to see some of the unique flies tied up at that shop, mostly using the small senyo shanks now. I wish I had more time to hang out and talk to Mike. Pretty cool shop. You've got the fly tying and fly section, and then there's soft goods, and they also have fly lines on clearance. There are a ton of Rio Scandi heads for 20 bucks. Maybe give Schultz a call and see if he'll still honor those when you hear this, if there's any left. I just bought a Scientific Angler's 350 depth charge for 20 bucks. Honestly, that you can't go wrong with that. There were also some uh, Blue Water Marlin lines in there as well. I have no need for those, so I left them there. And then it looks like the third room is a classroom. I mean, he had rods all lined up on a table and a TV playing, and um, it was fun. Got to stop in and see some stuff. When I order these materials online, I don't get to see the colors, so I'm usually hesitant to pick things out from the hairline catalog. But I got a really cool lavender-colored marabou. So I'm going to blend that in with some turquoise and get a cool blended color for uh, the baby shad that are in the Potomac, which we will be pretty much strictly fishing baby shad patterns, swinging them on the fly for the next three months. I'm going to end this here. I guess the next stop is... uh, through Ann Arbor, I wanted to stop at Zingerman's Deli, which has been on my list for a long time, but the wife said it's overpriced. And I just spent $22.50 on tolls because the Smart Tag Easy Pass wasn't working. Go figure, when you're using Easy Pass, you actually have to stop to get a ticket on the turnpike. I don't understand that. And I'm going to give uh, a big boo hoo when I pass uh, University of Michigan, considering I married into Ohio State. Go Buckeyes! Well, greetings from Baldwin, Michigan. It took uh, 13 hours to get here. A rainstorm just came through. It's nice and quiet. Haven't really enjoyed a non-thunderous rain, like I said, since May. The car's nice and clean. I'll tell you that the trailer hitch welding did not work. So hopefully the guys up here in the shop can weld it back on tomorrow. Otherwise, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Could probably get a couple grand for this car. We've got a friend that owns a car dealership. So I'm looking at an Xterra. It's always been the dream car for me. It's what Tom used to drive. He wants me to get a big truck like him, but that's not me. I just want something long enough I can sleep in, take the family on adventures with, and pull the boat. It's uh, it's 8.45, and it is broad daylight out here right now. We're so far west. Everything is still lit up. I'm sipping on uh, a little Woodford Reserve and a to-my-health flask I got from Captain Kim Smith at the two-fly tournament. Sitting on the porch, just kind of watching the, uh, the clouds roll by. A lot of big pine trees up here. It looks like there's some birch trees as well. There's a really cool fly in the shop here. I'm going to have to buy it to recreate it. It's like an articulated 
woolly bugger with rubber legs and dumbbell eyes. I don't know what it's called, but it looks awesome. <sighs> the boat is uh, off the trailer over by the uh, shop. They're thinking it's super easy patch. They're kind of, I, I knew they were going to think it was silly that I drove all the way up here, but I just want to double check it. They don't think it's leaking because of the the busts on the bottom and the chime. So it might have just been, I just had really bad um, boat plugs, which I've been meaning to replace anyway. But it's good just to get things checked out. And I just needed some me time on the open road. It was a fun drive. A little bit of traffic in Rapid City. Other than that, uh, didn't see a whole lot of wildlife on the drive up. Saw some turkeys down the road here, some turkeys in Pennsylvania. Saw some kind of cute little rodent run across the road, and some dude didn't even try to swerve, and he killed it. Kind of pissed me off. I saw that happen once to a prairie dog. If you've never seen a prairie dog running, it's pretty weird. They look like bowling pins with feet when they're out of their holes. So I guess I'll get up in the morning and find Mike and find out what's going on while they're fishing, fixing the boat. I might uh, get myself a license and, and go salmon fishing. Got my eight weight up here. Got a whole bunch of flies. They've got a lot of uh, hexagenia nymph flies here in the lodge. A lot of those. I don't even know if those are coming off now or not, but definitely know that this is the place where it happens. And they also have some big mice patterns up here and some stone flies. And that's just getting me in the mood. And now there goes the uh, local pizza deli and more car. And I should have waved that dude down because I really haven't eaten anything today except some chips. But I think I'm going to fall asleep before I really get hungry. So we'll see how things go in the morning. Try and get Mike on and want to hear all about last week's event, the blessing of the boats. There's no traffic lights up here, which is pretty cool. And apparently you can drive with a beer. I don't know if that's an urban legend or not, but I brought one bottle of beer with me. And since I've got a dodgy cooler that turned to water today, uh, that one bottle of beer is in the freezer here. So I'll have that as a nightcap. I'm catching up with NPR from today taking a break from podcasts, and I'm just sitting on a porch watching, and there's no mosquitoes here, which I find very cool. It's just that road noise, water dripping off the roof of the lodge, and crickets. I'm going to say those are some aspens in front of me. They look like whispering aspens like we got back in Virginia. I'm going to sign off and get some sleep. I don't have anybody yelling at me to wake me up in the morning, so... I'll probably still be up at 7 o'clock anyway. Going to get a good night's sleep. Check in with you in the morning. All right, now we're recording. So where are we right now? We are in Baldwin, Michigan. What's the name of your shop that you're working uh, Baldwin in? Baldwin Bait and Tackle. All right. And we're pretty closely located to the river, and I'm going to let you pronounce it. Yes, we are. The shop itself is literally hundreds of yards from the Pier Marquette River. How do people from out of town pronounce it? Uh, you hear it a couple different ways. You either hear it Pierre Marquette or Pierre Marquette. I've heard it both ways. It's all the same. And the Canadians pronounce it differently? Yes. The Canadians definitely is Pierre. Okay. What species run through there? Uh, we have a good variety of resident brown trout and rainbow trout. 
and we also get the migratory steelhead, um, the king salmon, the coho salmon, and a few summer on skamani. So what's the seasonality? When do things start running? Your busy season? Um, our busy fall season kind of starts firing up around late August. Um, can carry on into well into October for the fall migratory, the salmon run. And then we do get the fall steelhead. Very popular time to come fishing. How's the winter fishery? Does it freeze up? Uh, it's a little bit touch and go to year to year just because of the weather. Um but there's generally pretty solid trout fishing all winter. Um, there's a lot of guys that come and do a lot of swinging in the winter for the steelhead that are still here. Is this a freestone? Is it a spring? Are there any dams along the river? Nope. It's a free-flowing river. Um, we don't have any dams or any man-made obstructions on the Pier Marquette. It's kind of one of the nice things about it. How far, you said, these fish will swim up here? How far are we from the lake? We are 72 nautical miles from the pierhead. And they'll, they'll go even further? Oh, yes. Yep. The river continues to go, you know, definitely the next town over. Um, it branches off and gets into some more, like, creek-style fishing. Do they spawn up there? Any natural reproduction? Uh, there is natural reproduction. Um, not as much as what we'd all like. But it does occur. Do you have any particular uh, patterns that you're willing to share? Um, I mean, this time of year for trout fishing, we're throwing a lot of terrestrials. Um, the Madame X pattern is a very popular pattern on the Pier, Pier Marquette. Um, we fish it pretty much when dry fly fishing is the time to go. We'll fish a pattern the whole season. Can you talk about the hexagenias up here? Because we know them... You know, down south as the one that shows up on radar and it makes the news every year. But we yeah. don't know much. They burrow in those the sediment too. They do. Um, on the P, the PM, the Pier Marquette, the the bugs will lay the eggs in the river. But there's a lot of the eggs that once they turn into the larvae, that they actually go into the swamps, and then when they emerge, they come back to the river. Um. It's on the PM, because of the muck base of the bottom of the river, they prefer to go to the swamps and live, and then they come back. But it is Michigan's mar largest mayfly. And these things can be used as bait. Like, you can put them on a hook. Oh, yeah. You can you can either try to catch them and put them on a hook. That's um, crazy. It's a great time to come fly fishing if you're a fan of fishing after dark. There's, every year... Aside from fishing mouse flies or waking flies after dark, there's a lot of big fish caught on dry flies after dark. Anyone go down there this time of year in August, and they're swinging, you know, splatting some hoppers, and accidentally, like, a salmon just comes up and smacks off their five-weight rod? Um, not so much the salmon. Um, you will get some summer-run steelhead that'll do that. And because the PM doesn't get a big number of summer runs... That's usually how they were found, is on accident, totally not ready for it, blow up on your gear. It's a short, fun fight. Yeah. Um, and this is also the river of snags. Like, there's supposed to be just oh, wood and trees and stuff everywhere. Yep, and that's kind of what makes it fun and challenging. Um, and there's 
there's a lot of spots where it's real narrow, almost like crick fishing, and then there's spots that, you know, the guys that want to swing flies or kind of do short spay cast can actually get out there and, you know, kind of swing a fly if they wanted to. Um, but for the most part, it's a relatively small river. A lot of weightability, um, a lot of easy access points. There's, Am I going to go sink and flip-flops if I head down there? There is some spots where you'll you'll definitely float a hat. Um, the further down you go, you start getting into more consistent, deeper runs and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the fall guys that swing for steelhead, they'll do it up here in the fly water, but down river there's some deeper runs and, you know, definitely some a little bit deeper water down there. How often do you get out of the shop and get to fish? Um, you could just tell someone you're going for a smoke break and run over there and swing <laughs> some flies. It's you, that you, close. You could. You could. I've got to cross the river to get to and from work. So, you know, definitely depending on the time of year, you know, if there's a hot bug hatch or something, it's nothing to go grab a pop or something from a gas station and go post up on the river. Now, for those that aren't from up here, that's a soda, like a Coke or something. Right? Yep. And then if you're in the South, you just order Coke, and they say what kind, and you say Mountain Dew. The whole thing's very confusing to me. <laughs> There's actually, like, a, a map on CNN that explains how to order a carbonated beverage where you are in the country. It's bizarre. Be handy. My wife grew up in Ohio. She calls it pop. Pop. Yeah. And then people in Virginia just look at her. Like, they have no <laughs> idea what she's talking about. Are, are there other fisheries here? Is it the Pier Marquette, just the main um, one? Yeah, that's the main one here in Baldwin. Uh, we do have the Baldwin River that dumps into the Pier Marquette. Um, they get the migratories as well, and the resident trout. Um, quite often when trout season closes for us, though, in the fall, that is a designated trout stream. So irregardless of what you're fishing for, you can't fish that body of water. Okay. Um, but from M37 here to Lake Michigan stays open year-round. So what about, you get the snowfalls and the lake effects? Oh, yeah. Yep. What's a good, like, record breaker here? What's going to keep people from leaving their houses? Um, you get an, you know, they'll forecast an inch back home, and they'll just cancel school. And you right, wake up, no, and it's, it's sunny. It's... No, we got to get inches overnight to make people not want to go fishing. Um, what does it take to close school? Foot of snow. Yeah, you know, it's probably that six or better, depending on depending on if it's supposed to all come at once or if it's going to be able to stay on top of it. All right. Yeah. You want to talk about your shop? Anything you guys specialize in? Um, Very colorful wall. That's how you know it's like steelhead area. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely carry a lot of fly time material, um, fly rods, reels. We do carry a little bit of bait um, for the angler that wants to go that route. Um, open year-round. And the crickets. Oh, yeah, got got to have the crickets. That's now, being, I, I'm kind of a nerd. You can tell the temperature based on cricket chirps. It's one, one bug. Count the chirps in 15 seconds and add 40. So if you guys get really bored one day, you can... We're going to have to test that. Yeah. We were doing that in my neighbor's backyard the other day. It said it was 52 degrees. I was like, yeah, that's not right. 
No, we get the crickets in the summertime. They you ever know. get out? Like, oh, yeah. You hear there's, them chirping around? There's the occasional one that you got to go run down. Um, Anyone helps, catch helps a... Pass the time when it's slow. Can you catch a steelhead on a cricket? Yeah. You can catch them definitely on crickets. Um, I see you got a lot of mice patterns, too. Yep. Mousin is really big on the PM. Um, for I go, is it too early to the day to throw a mouse for me? Yes. Uh, around here the best time to go fishing for any mouse patterns or waking flies in general is if it's dark out Uh, so that being said like 10 o'clock till five o'clock in the morning you know if you roll over in bed and can't go to bed go fishing after a night you're like you know what i got some food in me i'm gonna go yeah skate some flies there's a lot of times where you get out of work you go grab a beer and a burger and go hit the river um for good reason you know there's there's a lot of very nice trout in the river um there's definitely a healthy population of 24s um 20 inches how big are these bluegill you have in the case uh, we happen to have a couple of bluegills that there's four of them in the smallest is 11 and the biggest is 12 if they grew much bigger than that, I wouldn't go in the water. <laughs> I wouldn't have toes left. They they are borderline baby piranhas. Yeah. Yep. But, no, they're local fish. Um, they're hard to come by nowadays, but they are local fish. So, definitely keeps you going. Just like that big trout, you know, you hear stories, you know they're there. You just got to go find them. We follow you guys. Do you have any social media websites? Uh, and yeah. you also some lodging. I see some keys here. Yeah, we've got a couple motel rooms. Um, we run guides out of here. Um, you know, everything's run through the bait shop here. But we're on Facebook. Um, it's just fishbaldwin.com's or uh, email. And then, well, yep. And we didn't introduce who you are. I am Jake. Jake. Not from State Farm. I got khakis on, but not from State Farm. All right. Very cool. Well, thank you for your time, and hopefully some listeners will swing by and drop some cash. Yeah, not a problem. Um, Hours vary a little bit, just depending on season, but we are open. And uh, definitely, if we don't have what you need, we can definitely get you in the right direction. So Very cool. And you got some cool Estaz colors I haven't seen, so yeah. And our, our materials, we try to keep a good variety of uh, colors and different sizes of a little bit of everything in. So that's definitely something that we try to keep in stock, especially time flies. You yep. never have too much material. That's my problem. It says <laughs> you're, there's a sign behind you, Jake. That says, "Hey, your wife called. Said you could buy anything you want, except my wife goes through my business credit card." account so it's not as easy as i'd like so i may be getting a phone call oh yeah (laughs) luckily she's well it was a 13 hour drive yesterday so she's not coming up here she also went to ohio state so she don't really come up here Uh, well it's you know we don't won't hold that against her okay as long as she fishes enjoys outdoors thank you so much for the time oh not a problem it's a pleasure just stopped down by the river ice cold nowhere really to wade in right here off the road 
for folks back home, just imagine kind of like Mossy Creek at its widest having salmon steelhead running through it. I can't imagine how cool it would be to float down that thing when those fall fish are running. This is uh, not going to be my last trip up here. I can guarantee that. I didn't see any fish, just a lot of plants just kind of undulating with the current crystal clear i just went up on top of the bridge and looked down you can see every grain of sand every pebble on the bottom i managed to catch a scud just got a handful of sediment and played around with it and i'm headed back into town now just to check on the boat and uh see how the progress is going and get the trailer hitch welded on and maybe grab some food could definitely use a greasy burger right now but for the folks up here that get to fish that river that is uh, one cool looking body of water all right so i'm sitting at the bar here at is it barsky barsky's and a gentleman walks in with healing waters clothing and uh turns out to be one of the most interesting lunches i've had and We'll get our lunch buddy stories here. So you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Steve Ladd, Carson City, Michigan, and a longtime hero and an associate and volunteer for Project Healing Waters. So what is going on this week up here with Healing Waters? Uh, this week we have six disabled veterans from all parts of the country that uh, are here to fish for five days. Uh, which is half of the program. The other half of the program is that they're in a relatively isolated location where they feel comfortable in sharing things that they really don't have the opportunity to share back at home because they're somewhat afraid that what they say might be transmitted to others in their own home community, and they don't want to do that. It's very private private situation. Um, what we're talking here uh, about here, bottom line, is, is, is PTSD, which no one has figured out yet, but we're hoping that uh, the medical community, along with others, will at some point in time find ways of causing improvement. But for the time being, Project Healing Waters has the wherewithal and the wonderful ability to take disabled veterans with PTSD and get them into fly tying, fly fishing, trips, putting them in the water, which when they're doing it causes them to concentrate on something other than the dark side of their mind. So in short, and the end here is it's a healing process. And the healing process through fly fishing is one of the best there is. As a matter of fact, I don't know of any better at this point, whether it's medically or chemically. You yourself are a veteran? No, I'm not. I thought you said you were. No, okay. No, I didn't. Uh, I'm serving now. Uh, I grew up during the, the Vietnam conflict, in fact, long before the Vietnam conflict, and uh, they would not take married, married men. Uh, when the draft came along, so I, my number came up, but I got a letter that said, you're already 4F because I was married. And I also had a child, which made it doubly that way, which, quite frankly, I, I, I was pleased about at the time, <laughs> but I'm serving now.
uh, and probably doing a lot more for our country and our warriors, our disabled veterans, than I ever could have done if I had uh, enlisted to go to Vietnam. Um, the reward now and the help that I provide is, I think, far greater. How did you get involved with Project Healing Waters? Um, happened chance in Argentina uh, in an airport. I met the man that founded Project Healing Waters. It was uh, just a stroke of luck. And we talked, and I followed up, and he followed up, and we decided to have a healing, a healing process in the state of Michigan. And that was Captain Nicholson? And that was Captain Ed Nicholson. Uh, one of my top five heroes in life. You want to talk about where the soldiers, the vets are staying right now? Uh, yeah, they're staying at the Flint Rainbow Club, which is in Baldwin, Michigan, hard on the, on the Pier Marquette River, at a club that was um, built in 1880 as the officers' quarters at Fort Custer in Battle Creek, Michigan. And our original members uh, bought the building at an auction at, in, at Fort Custer in 1918. And they had it taken apart board by board and brought to Baldwin on a train and had it reconstructed exactly the way it was in 1880. And to this day, it, pretty much with a few improvements and amenities, remains the same as it was when it was built in 1880. Are the, the guys floating? Is it all guys on this trip? It's all guys on this trip, although I have had uh, s- several women over the years. Last year, a Coast Guard gal, whose name I can't remember right now, but she was the very first Master Chief electrician, female Master Chief electrician in the history of the U.S. Coast Guard. Um the folks that come, the vets that come are from all over the country, um, and they they write letters after they've been here, and some of the letters would make you cry. They're on drift boats right now? Uh, yeah, they're on drift boats with professional guides, and when I say professional guides, those are guides that guide 12 months a year. They don't have other jobs absolute Michigan pros who volunteer their time uh, to, to guide our, our disabled vets and teach. It's not just about fishing, it's about improving all of their fly fishing skills. And some days are spent with two or three hours working on roll casting, reach casting, um, uh, throwing 250 grain sink tip, which some of them have never had in their hand before. Wonderful, wonderful learning experience for them. But it all goes back to the healing thing because they have to think about what they're doing when they're fly fishing. They can't, they can't go to the dark side. These are all different backgrounds from around the country, different branches of the military? Yes, all branches of the military are, are represented over a period of time. We have four branches of the military represented this year. And, uh, and they are, yeah, from all over the country. We're, California to West Virginia. How often do you have veterans come up to do this? Twice a year. It's just serendipitous that I just bumped into you at this bar in the middle of Michigan while I'm getting my boat fixed on a lunch break. Uh, Truly so, but uh, 
He works in wonderful and strange ways. <laughs> That's he with a capital H, by the way. So what, how was the catch rate yesterday? And not that that really matters with what they're doing, but uh, they all had a good time and hopefully caught some fish? Uh, yeah, when they, when they came back to the lodge, they were all about a foot and a half off the ground and then talking over each other about the fish they caught. And one of the least proficient fly fishers in the group caught the biggest fish, which uh, was an 18-inch smallmouth, which is pretty rare in our part of the country. And he couldn't stop talking about it all night long, and I heard it again this morning. <laughs> so <laughs> That was probably on... A- not a smallmouth rod. It was a trout rod. Uh, yeah, five-weight fly rod, uh, weight forward, uh, floating line uh, with some kind of a jig on it. Yeah. My goodness. He had a tussle. Yeah. Wow. So um, where do you go from here after they're done? What's, what's next for your schedule? Well, next for my schedule is uh, I host a lot of events and a lot of people that need to get away from the normal humdrum and drone of life and coming here is uh, they, they exercise themselves EX um, and they relax and they experience something that uh, the cities and the suburbs don't offer and it's uh, cathargic for them and it's uh, also for me I enjoy being the host and I enjoy seeing the transition that takes place between where they came from and where they are. They're definitely better off when they're leaving than when they get here. It goes without saying. No question. All right. Any social media for the lodge or places where we can follow what you're doing? No, very private. We want to keep it that way. Well, I thank you for the time, and this has been a fantastic lunch. This burger was... This burger was made with love. These were these were handmade. Agreed. My Bloody Mary was made with love too. Yeah. <laughs> they make their own uh, mix here. Yes. They fabricate all their own meats here too. Yeah, these were not mass-produced burgers from uh, a frozen box. No, <laughs> no, this is the place. All right. Well, thank you so much again. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime. All right. I am leaving Baldwin, Michigan. It is 8.50 in the evening, and it is still daylight out here because we're further west. Let's see. I finished up my lunch with Steve and then headed back to the lodge where I had to give up my room because I was there just for the night on uh, on Mike and some guys were in town from Ontario so I packed up and then hung out for a little bit dropped off a six pack of Port City Monumental IPA as a, a gift also known as Guy Flowers to Mike for his hospitality you may know Port City as America's number one small brewery until they win it again this year at the Great American Beer Festival in Denver. From there, I drove over. Hold on, there's a yawn coming. Did I just make you yawn? I drove over to Stealth Craft and hung out for a bit, and then their guy that looks like John Lennon re-welded properly my trailer hitch back on. So I want my 
money back from the dude who didn't do a very good job. After that, uh, what happened? It's been a long day, kind of just hanging out in places. And it's all been just a whirlwind, going over the Baldwin River. It's all steamy and foggy right now. It's actually cool. I've got uh, just the back windows open a bit right now. And by then, it was time to head down. Steve invited me to dinner with the Project Healing Waters group. So I went down and met them at the... I'm not sure what to call it. Was it the Rainbow Lodge? Uh, I don't remember. I have to look at the picture. But hung out there on the porch. And the building dates back to the 1860s. It belonged to Custer. And then it was part of a military barrack and the kitchen which was a side building was a I don't know what they what it was uh oh uh oh I made you yawn didn't I sorry it uh I think it was for the officers so it's right on the pier Marquette and there's this gigantic screen porch and everyone's just hanging out having a beer having a soda I had a uh, I guess you'd call it a pop not a soda up here had a cold coke and just hung out with the guys from Healing Waters and heard some of their stories. They came from all over the country, California, New York, West Virginia, Michigan, Missouri or Missouri, depending on who you ask. And we all just hung out and told fishing stories and talked flies and fly tying and the fishing where everyone was from. And then, oh my God, I need some coffee. Ah! Uh, I went down to the river with a gentleman from Michigan and we just hung out and looked at the river and we're looking for trout and this guy, if he doesn't have a call sign, it should be Osprey because he was picking fish out left and right that I couldn't even see with my sunglasses. And there were, I looked maybe like a bluegill below us and a couple of brown trout, maybe a rainbow. It was hard to tell. The fog was rising on the river. This was around 630 I don't know if that's a bear or a huge dog. But I guarantee if it's a dog, it's named Bear on the side of the road. There was steam coming off, and we spotted maybe about a 12 to 14-inch trout in this hole in front of one of the only two private bridges in all of Michigan. And I went back up to the car. Oh, my. It's been a long day. I went back up to the car, and I grabbed my five weight rod and I found a bacon fly in the car and tied that on put on two BB split shot with a worm of the new material I've been using as the dropper and went down to the dock and back cast into a tree and then popped it out and then that got caught in a tree and then I broke off and somehow I managed to get my fly line and leader to wrap around this dead branch break it off it was lassoed around it bring it in and I re-rigged by then that fish was obviously gone so I went up to the bridge and that was the only place I could get an actual back cast from I threw on um, no by now the split shot's gone so I cast out and playing around we see a couple fish but nothing and I'm throwing it in front of log jams behind rocks and Finally, under the bridge, there were two nice trout. Neither of them liked it, but eventually one of them went for the pink wormy. 
and I missed the set because I couldn't see anything with that low light. By now, the dinner bell rings, and we head up to the officer's quarters, and we sit down. There's a salad course with more types of salad dressing than a grocery store has, and I'm thinking, okay, just a small little get-together meal at a big table, and then out comes the steak, and this is, if you're from this area, it's the meat house, and these steaks are very highly prized. The owner does not even list where they come from. They are that secretive. Apparently, the place has got great jerky. I didn't make it down there. So New York strips, and I'm like, that's a lot of steaks. And then Mary, the chef, puts down a plate on our side of the table, and then out comes roasted zucchini with, I think, bacon on it. And then out comes fried zucchini slices that are breaded. And then out comes like a five bean dish. And then a potato salad. And then Yukon Golds that Mary grew herself that were boiled and you could eat them with a straw. They were the softest potatoes I have ever had. And I think something else came out, if I can remember. And I'm running out of space. And these guys keep telling me, no, there's more, there's more. I didn't believe them. And the food just kept on coming and coming. So I had, I didn't even bother taking, I couldn't reach my phone. My belly was so full. I had major food baby. So we all devoured our meals. And then I get a text from Mike that the boat's ready for pickup. And then the homemade blueberry cobbler with homemade vanilla ice cream comes out. And I, I we were all in pain. This food, I mean, this goes down. It's one of the best home-cooked meals I've ever had. I know I've talked about in a previous podcast on Lake Pondere, the woman that made the Southwestern meal, and we were drinking New Belgium, which you couldn't get on the East Coast, and it was amazing. This rivals like a home-cooked meal out of a normal home. Unbelievable. Oh, and there was garlic bread and, and room temperature butter. And it was so humid today. I think it was 91% humidity and warmth, which didn't help trying to look out polarized glasses. So by about 8 o'clock, we say our goodbyes. Mary gives me a whole bunch of ice for my little cooler so I can have some cold Cokes. And then I had to pick up the boat, and it looks brilliant. It's amazing. Um, they did a little TLC. There's some... I guess new things that they do up there. So uh, I got to see all the new boats. If you're looking for a drift boat, honestly, you want a stealth craft. The versatility and the variety of options that go into these boats, it's not like anything else. And these guys, I mean, I drove by in the morning and they were working. I just left. Uh, it's 8.58 now and they were still working. And they're putting a boat out like every day. It's unbelievable what they can do with a drift boat. If you call these things drift boats, they are the next generation of fly fishing watercraft. Absolutely amazing. And I'm pretty sure somebody vandalized it. There's been a dent in the side that just did not look like it was from a rock. They were able to polish that off. And then uh, my license plate was just held on by zip ties. So they popped some rivets in the wheel cover and attached my license plate to that. And I'm off now. My boat looks brilliant. It's brand new looking. I can't wait to fish it. Um, they, they patched up those little just odd wear and tears on the bottom. And I'm, they were small, but they were just enough to make 
the boat does not ride very well. And I think I'm going to be riding on top of the water now. The water striders, I got nothing on me. So I'm headed back now. Um, I've got some intruder flies I picked up. And I didn't tell you about the store. Okay, so while I was waiting to get the trailer hitch uh, welded on, I went to this variety store because I wanted to get my daughter a gift. It may have been the most bizarre store I've ever been in. The most random things from used bikini tops and bottoms and a pair to VHS pornography to dragon snow globe clocks to televisions that were the ones they were stealing in the first Fast and Furious that had the VCR built in. I guess if you're going to want to watch uh, the American something with a pie movie, it's nine friends, three motorcycles, and one handcuffs, I think was the tagline. Just weird stuff like used belts and kitchen stuff and pots and random boxes of silverware and Mike told me don't go in there but I had to and it was freaking bizarre I didn't spend any money in there and then I went down to the true value because the guys at Stealthcraft said yes they do have a gift shop so I walked through there and it's amazing I love an old fashioned hardware store this stuff had everything fishing departments bird feeders from paints and valves and boat supplies to hunting and every kind of home fixer-upper project you could want, this store had it. The only thing I really found appealing was a little owl. And I don't know why, the traffic in the other direction is massive right now. It's car after car. It's like a R. Kelly video driving down the street, hot and fresh out the oven. I'm the only one going this way. The owl, you put in a window and it kind of shakes it, what my daughter would call its booty and flaps its wings and it's got a little bobblehead and it was like a buck 98 so I didn't spend an arm and a leg on something that'll probably be forgotten which goes back to the whole kick plastic thing that we bought and dug now they're really a Melissa and Doug I don't know only parents are going to get that reference I think that sums up the day um, doubt I'll have anything to say tomorrow unless something crazy happens tonight I'm headed south uh, probably find a Walmart. If I don't sleep in the car, I'm going to set up my 15-year-old Eno hammock in the boat between the pulpits and just sleep in that tonight. I plan on getting up the butt crack tomorrow and getting home to relieve the wife of having the pixie for three days by herself. Right now, I am missing chili cook-off night at Rutherford Pool, but I guarantee you, my dinner is better than anything they're getting down there I'm going to be burping and enjoying the remnants of Mary's culinary expertise I gave all the healing water guys my card said if you're ever in DC get together if you need some flies whatever so don't be strangers it was really fun hanging out with them and one of them caught his first smallmouth on the fly it was like a six pounder massive they've been catching fish on dries and streamers all week and uh, major props to Steve for organizing this trip. Those guys were smiling ear to ear. Great camaraderie over dinner. Uh, I wish I could have stayed and, and helped, you know, with the fishing gear in the boats or something tomorrow, but got to head home. Like I said, it's been a whirlwind adventure. I had no idea that I'd be in a random bar and grill and just happen to bump into somebody from Healing Waters and 
get that meal and that much fun out of one evening. Again, major shout out to Stealthcraft Boats. I probably could have gotten repairs done back home. Um, but like I said, I needed to get out and I knew these guys would do it right because it's their boat. And the next one I want is going to be a jet sled with one of those like giant horsepower things on the back and a fish finder and more accoutrements than and I know what to do with. And an electric winch for the out, for the anchor. All right, the burps have started. I'm signing off. It's past nine o'clock. It's still daylight. Headed east, headed south. Thanks for listening to this ad hoc podcast. We got some fun interviews coming up and at least one more road trip out west for the summer. Stay tuned. Working on the technical difficulties with the Skype podcasting. Hopefully we can fix that and get some more uh, interviews with people that are far away that I can't interview in person that have awesome stories to tell. Take it easy, folks. Jason. Do your thing. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com.